0: It was July of 07 that you told me you were pregnant and everything was great. Mason's born Correct. and about a month later, our lives would change forever.
1: And I walked in and it was our doctor, Dr. Ambrose. And, you know, I'd already known him from Brayden. And so, you know, we had a good rapport, good, good. Mm. Yeah. And um, he said to me, I don't know after some small talk he said hey i just got a fax from la harbor medical ucla harbor medical center um and you know mason tested positive for cystic fibrosis and i just remember asking him you know holding this little baby i just asked him is he gonna die
0: before we get started today, I would be remiss if I did not thank our partners over at Proper Creative. Proper Creative is a production on demand company and they monetize e-commerce platforms. They have a marketing powerhouse team from graphic designers, web development, photographers, videographers, market analysis, digital marketing strategists and of course, social media experts. They help companies from development of content and products To the execution of digital strategies for e commerce. They provide both full service and a la carte services for businesses that sell direct to the consumers. For me today, I am wearing a proper creative branded shirt. This is the Level Up Podcast shirt. You can get it. And uh, this is something that we send to all of our guests that come on our show. Our partners send them a gift package, and it's brought to you by Proper Creative. Thank you so much. You can follow them on social media, Instagram primarily, at P-R-O-P-R Creative. Again, they're an L.A.-based company, so they do things a little bit cooler than most. They spell proper, P-R-O-P-R, Creative. Follow them on social media, Instagram, and give a shout-out. Thank you so much, again, to our brand partners, Proper Creative. Welcome to another week of Level Up with Matt Rogers. I am your host, Matt Rogers, and with me as always, Eli Adelman. Yep. We are going to get right into it. This is part two with my wife, the one and only first lady, (laughs) Terry Rogers. Um, So fantastic. I say last week because we aired last week, but you and I have been sitting here together now for the entire two hours. I'm going to make a prediction right now. Uh, I'm going to predict that. The comments and the feedback from last week's episode are going to be like, dude, you should probably start doing this with your wife more often. I'm just going to (laughs) throw that out there.
1: Yeah.
0: It should be Level Up with Matt and Terry Rogers.
1: It took a lot to get me here. So I don't know about that, Matt Rogers. I know. Now the official co host.
0: (laughs) Hey, real talk. Do you listen to Level Up with Matt Rogers? I
1: do.
0: What's your favorite episode so far?
1: Ooh, that's a close one.
0: If you had to pick one. What's your favorite one so far? And you're not gonna hurt anyone's no. feelings because most of them are your friends. Yeah. That have I come don't on know. I
1: couldn't honestly pick nope, one. You can't do it. Nope. You gotta pick one. I am not picking one. No, you one. have to pick one. I don't know. If
0: you I had, had to pick one, one that's been your favorite so far. I don't know. What's coming to your mind?
1: I'm just picture. I have do you wanna go what's coming on? All these people's faces and I can't pick one.
0: You pick out three? Yeah, pick out three.
1: Um I like Kim. hmm Um, I really like Calvin. hmm And you know, I really who I really liked is Jeff Ginn.
0: Wow! Yeah.
1: I didn't think she was gonna pick any of those. Yeah, wow. yeah. but I love all the other people too. Like, yeah,
0: yeah like Rex. I love Rex. Best friends, Zach Williams, yeah. Grammy winner, yeah. Zach Williams, Gigi Butler. Yeah. I you mean, know, like, Zach Williams. So many. Honestly,
1: that was probably like the story's amazing, but the song that he sang in here—that was cool. I mean, the way it sounded. I mean, I we were sitting on the beach, and I was listening to the podcast, and like I was crying. Like legit crying. I was say,
0: right. She was legit on the beach in Florida last week listening to Zach Williams sing. And it's
1: amazing. she
0: goes, dude, it sounds amazing. I said, well, we have a pretty freaking awesome engineer <laughs> named Eli. I Alvin. mean, wow. pretty
1: amazing. <laughs> like he's just when in this Zach room. Zach Williams,
0: it's pretty easy to make it sound good. <laughs> he was phenomenal.
1: He was. I mean, the live, if that's what he sounds in my hearth room live, I mean, I could imagine listening to him in a, you know, in an right. arena somewhere big.
0: I'm trying to get Zach Williams' wife, Crystal, on here and oh. share her story. She's Do got a amazing, her, right? Yeah. Right.
1: Now we gotta go see Zach live in concert if he sounds amazing. I mean right. oh, I've was- already
0: seen him live in my living room. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was awesome. It was that was cool.
0: So let's get right into it. This is uh part two from last week. Last week you you kind of walked us through who you were, where you grew up, you gave your life to the Lord, you battled drug addiction, a terrible relationship, an abusive relationship for a long time, and you overcame it. And you came out on top, which was great. And then life really begins. You, you know, you meet your boyfriend, ends up being your fiance and husband. You marry him. <laughs> happens to be me. Lucky me. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, Spoiler. You and I have been married 16 years now. We've been together for 18 and a half years. Yeah. Eight, no, 18 years. Married 16. We're about to have a 15 year old. We have a 13 year old and a six year old, um, We'll talk about our two youngest kids and you know the challenges we've gone through with them and how we've come out on the other side, but continue to battle and continue to come out on the other side every day, right? It's an ongoing battle. Um, but let's talk about you and I first get married, okay? Mm-hmm. It's great. It starts out great. Um, I don't know if I want to go there or not. Don't do it. It was, <laughs> oh God. It was challenging.
1: There you go. I know exactly. But when you started saying that, I knew exactly what you were going to say. Well,
0: just because it's real life. Like I think about the listeners and, you know, it's like, I think a lot of times, because I only put positive stuff on social media, right? Like, I don't put all my struggles out there, but I mean, I have them.
1: No one's putting their ugly Facebook pictures on Facebook.
0: Well, dude, I can't stand people (laughs) who post all their garbage and complaints on facebook like dude i want to see pictures of your kids i don't care who you freaking voted for and don't make me feel bad because i voted for a certain person and i want to see the cool vacations you went on i don't want to see your toe fungus and how you had to have your toenail removed like
1: (laughs) maybe some people uh, needed to to tell someone they don't have to tell
0: dude like i want to see good stuff like i want to see how well you're doing i'm not saying like be fake And deny it. But with that being said, like, I mean, dude, I put the good stuff out there.
1: Well, that's what social media is. It's the majority of it's people put the best of the best.
0: I want to, but like, I mean, dude, we've had our challenges. We've had our bad stuff. Like our, our engagement wasn't perfect. Our wedding wasn't perfect. It was supposed to be, uh, but there's been some family drama. And I mean, we're all good now. Like we're both close with each other's families. And, you know, by no means, dude, we still have arguments all the time with each other. But I genuinely love your family, uh, but it wasn't smooth. No. And, it, you know, it never is. Um,
1: That's family.
0: No. Without getting too much into the thick of things, because I know my family listens to it uh, <laughs> and listens to this podcast, how did we overcome those challenging times, the he said, she said, the assumptions? Um, you know, you came into my family under the gun, and it had nothing to do with your past that we talked about last week. It had to do with gossip, assumptions, and people the, believing something about you that wasn't true.
1: And the tight knit community the tight-knit group of your family. You know, I think yes. you know, which is good. Don't get me wrong. But you know, when you're one coming in, you gotta you gotta put up with a lot of a lot of stuff.
0: I'm the baby of five. We had just lost my mom and a new woman's about to come into our life with the baby boy. It did not go well.
1: When we were dating, it was fine. But things changed when your mom passed away, which Mm -hmm. fast forward, when my mom passed away five years ago, I get it now. Like, life changes for everybody, siblings, you know, everybody. Um, But yeah, no, initially going in, it it was tough. It was tough to break through. And then when the wedding and the marriage and the wedding day, I mean... We had some challenges.
0: I remember going to bed and my love for you and your love for me has never been in doubt. In fact, I'm so proud to say that I've never wavered. Like, I mean, do we live in a time where so many people cheat right. and we hear about infidelity left and right. I could, and you know this cause you know me, you live with me. I've traveled probably more than any husbands. I've been in, you know, Hollywood and scenes with, you know, Women everywhere, drugs everywhere, alcohol, parties, celebrities. I've been in all that. And I can honestly say I've never looked to the left or to the right one time. I've never wondered what that woman would be like. What would it be like to be with her? Ooh, she's so hot. Man, if I could just get my hands. So not only am I proud to say I've never cheated, Eli, I could honestly tell you that I've never even been tempted to cheat on my wife. Cause I think so many men are like, oh, I've never cheated. Like that's some kind of noble thing, and it is. But it's like, dude, like that's what the vow was. That's what you committed to. Like
1: that's what you promised.
0: That's what you promised. Right. Like
1: yeah. I don't
0: pat myself on the back every morning. I give my kids breakfast. Like, dude, that's what I signed <laughs> up. Like, for. Like, oh, yeah. I made my mortgage payment this month. <laughs> like, yeah, <exactly>. right. <laughs> so it's paper to do oh, that. I'm Paying my bills. <laughs> like, yeah, dude, you're freaking supposed to. Yeah. Like, oh, I've never cheated on my wife. Yeah, dude, you're not supposed to. Right. So. Um, with that being said, uh, you didn't come in easy, right? Oh, but I, oh, I'm sorry. I get sidetracked with my ADD. I was going to say the (laughs) night before our wedding, I was like, holy crap. I don't know if this is going to work out. And the first year of our, of our marriage was rough, Yep. never divorce, never thinking we were going to split up, but not what I signed up for. Not what you signed up for.
1: But you also know we didn't live together before we got married. So there was a lot of. We didn't
0: have sex before we got married. It's true, Eli. Now we weren't perfect. Before we got married, outside of that, but my wife and I did not have sex until we were. And we married.
1: didn't live together, so there's a lot of things that change when you move in with someone. You know, the just little things, and then yeah, just- we had sex
0: like seven times a day.
1: <laughs> that was fantastic. Why does it always? Why does it always go there? Because I like it, oh and you're God. really hot,
0: and it's fun. It's Guys just- like it. By the way, I mean, can a real talk while we're talking about husbands and sure. wives? Dude, you've never withheld that from me. I think that's so important because wives hang that over their husbands' heads. Like, dude, like, and I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs of everyone's not relationship. A, it's not but, a
1: negotiation tactic. It's yeah. not like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Boom. yeah,
0: If you do the dishes. Yeah,
1: there's, it's not, it's not.
0: But I've always tried to win you over so that you would want me. You know, and, you know, nine times out of 10, I am the initiator when it comes to that stuff too. But like, it's, it's never been, like you said, I've never felt like you've hung it over me and dangled it on my face. there's different
1: ways of love, love language, women, men, different people. But dude, you know? it's so important. So important.
0: Sex life is so important to Absolutely. a marriage. And I talked to some, my friends, you know, that's like, yeah, dude, I'm going on like six weeks. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, that's not great. No. Um... We can get into that, but.
1: <laughs> or not. <laughs> or not.
0: <laughs> you never know where the podcast is going to go. Um, so starting out, it wasn't easy. No. That first year, super hard. What were you going to say? It wasn't no, what, I either mean, it was one of us signed up for. It. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think, we, you know, it was hard. We, The family stuff. And then, you know, then, we, then it was good. We had our moments good. We had a great honeymoon. We had great. You know, but there was a few fights that we got into that we probably didn't expect to have gotten into, but it, but it was all never like divorce material. It was just working things out.
0: Why was it so hard? Is it just like you said? We had never I, lived together yeah. before, and
1: and we hadn't been together forever. I mean, you know, we had been dating for two years. I mean, you know, we weren't together a lot. We didn't we didn't live together, so we didn't. There was just some stuff to work out,
0: but we made a commitment to each other. And I think that is something that is so lacking in today's generation, the power of a commitment and standing by your commitment to where even nowadays, like when you, when you talk, I mean, like, let's get real here for a second. People even say like, well, I at least got to live with this person to see if I can live with this person. Like I, we, we should definitely live together before we get married. Well, you should definitely have sex before you get married. So you know what the person likes and doesn't like, and like, why do you think God saved that for marriage? And why do people think that they have to do that before they get married?
1: Just cause everyone else does it. I don't think, I don't think they even think twice about not doing it. They just do what everyone else does. You know, I just, that's what I think.
0: And it was hard for us. Like, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I tell you, wrong, you were a really good looking girl and I'm a an alpha male and <laughs> I don't think that daddy didn't want it when he had the house by himself, <laughs> but uh, we were very, very good. And I'm glad we did wait because it's way different when you, when you wait. And I do believe that God has blessed our marriage and has blessed our sex life because we did honor that. And we did wait. Uh, my buddy Todd and I talk about that all the time because him and his wife waited as well. And I mean, dude, we're lacking nothing in that area. Right. Yes. Um, I love how uncomfortable you get talking about it. It's so (laughs) awesome. Okay. Back to the struggle. Um, what happened that first year and why was it so hard for you to come into my family?
1: No, I think they were, it was a tight community, tight family, you know, and a, a woman coming in, taking the star of the show. Let me, let's be honest. You were the, the life of the party, the star of the show. And I think they thought I was going to take that and, you know, take that away from them mm-hmm. when in reality, like it's supposed to, you know, amplify what you already are, not, deduct from what you already are
0: did it bother you that i was the star of the show
1: no because that's not we didn't we didn't fight for that position like we don't fight for this position like i'm okay with you going and doing and being the 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 light the star of the show because i don't want the, i don't want to be the star of the show i'm okay being behind scenes and being behind the camera if, if you say so i mean not right now do you think
0: i have to be the star of the show like my personality
1: no i think you don't have to but you enjoy it and you should do what I you just enjoy. Like making people laugh. Right. You don't have to be though. You're okay sitting back, but you enjoy it, and I think you should do what you enjoy.
0: Have you ever seen me sit back?
1: Yeah. Okay. You have no problem letting other people. I've seen you let people be, but yeah. you enjoy it. So just why sure. shouldn't you, you can, do you can, it? You can keep me in check. And I don't want to be the star of the show. So there's no struggle here in that in our relationship.
0: <laughs> I want you to be the star of the show.
1: Yeah, pretty good. Thanks. There's two
0: times in our life where I really wanted you to. Take it and run with it, but you never did. One was I wanted you to start playing soccer again, but you never did. And two, right before we got married, dude, you were on a serious workout regimen. And Ryan Benson was our trainer, which, by the way, now if you're listening, if you go to Instagram and follow Zero Gravity Fitness, he's one of the top bodybuilding coaches in the world. That's the guy that was training Terry. And holy smokes, right before we got married, dude, you were in competition. And
1: after until I got pregnant with Braden. Yep.
0: And he even said to you, he said, I could put you on, I could make you a competition. And for a second you thought you might want to, right? Right.
1: But then I got pregnant. Because I got pregnant with Brayden like a couple months in.
0: But what did you want? Because I don't want anyone to think like, because I mean, dude, even our friends here have made comments like, well, you speak for your wife and, oh, and (laughs) Terry doesn't do anything without your say. So like, I don't want people to think I'm this freaking slave driving husband that makes you do stuff. I can't even get on text
1: messages. (laughs) (laughs) So bad. Yeah, hashtag.
0: If you're listening, put my wife on text messages, please. It's, yeah, yeah, right. Um, I have a voice. Yeah, <laughs> here I am. <laughs> um, oh. Did, uh, I, I, did I influence you of not bodybuilding? Because no. in my heart, I wanted you to compete.
1: No, I mean, I think every. I mean, yeah, of course. I any, that would be um, would have been amazing, but also giving life to my firstborn is pretty amazing too. Right. Like, do you know what I mean? How great is Brayden? Brayden is great.
0: He's our oldest, Eli.
1: He's a a really swell guy. I always like talking to him. He
0: is the simplest, and he was the simplest baby. Oh my god. I don't even remember him crying.
1: Yeah. He was the easiest. He was born remember He was born on Easter Day. He
0: was born on Easter.
1: Yep. He was our little Easter baby.
0: He really and he was always easy. Like when when they say like life was perfect, like, dude, it really kind of was for us. We, you know, we had just bought our first house. We lived in Rancho Cucamonga, California. Mm
1: -hmm. I
0: literally worked a block from my house in a brand new real estate uh, agency, Prudential Realty. And I was the in-house loan officer surrounded by 50 real estate agents. So I just got deals left and right. It was
1: Is And then you got your show, right? Really Big Things. Was that then?
0: Yes. Yeah. Because Mason wasn't born until 08. You're right. Yeah. So I was doing mortgages. <clears throat> I you know, I had already tried out for American Idol. Um so I, was, I already was kind of like, I don't know what do you say, like semi famous. Right. And
1: like a C list.
0: Yeah, C List celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> and um and I got really big things on Discovery Channel, and that's when I really started to travel and be gone a lot. But dude, it always like am I wrong? It worked for us, yeah, right? Yeah, it
1: worked. Well, I mean, I had his we had his cousin and their family behind us, living behind us. Mm-hmm. My family was in Orange County, so there was always and it was easy. There's like one little baby. It was and he was easy.
0: So we got married in uh February of 05. We get pregnant probably in May or June. Yeah. Cuz he was born in April of 06. Of 06. And I'm Traveling like life really was perfect. Like we were young. We were making great money. Everyone's healthy, happy. Marriage is great. We had got through that first, you know, year rough patch and we decided we want to have another kid. Mm -hmm. And that was our
1: goal back to back to back. Yeah.
0: It really was. Yeah, And we always wanted four. We got three. Um, and it was July of Oh seven that you told me you were pregnant and everything was great. Mason's born February 6th, 2008.
1: Correct.
0: And about a month later, our lives would change forever. If you're listening right now, you don't want to go anywhere because this is where real life starts. Uh, what happened? You go in for Mason's one month checkup. Walk us through what happened.
1: So I, you know, go to all the pediatrician appointments and I remember Braden was at my mom and dad's um, you were working or doing something mm-hmm. and I didn't even, br- I didn't bring my phone or my, I mean, and phones at that time weren't like as attached to you as they are now, but you know, you still always had your phone with you, but it was, the doctor's office was like down the street. So I thought, um, oh, take the diaper bag. I'm going to take my keys. I'm going to be home in 30 minutes, 40 minutes. So I walk in and like looking back after that day, I was re- when I walk in now, I know like it was a, a weird feeling when I walked in. Remember? Really? I'd, Even the girls up front? Yes. Remember the girls that would sit up front mm-hmm. at that little thing? And um, I went in for the appointment. He had gone to everything. Matt, you went to all the appointments. Yeah, this was like
0: the first appointment I didn't go on.
1: And I walked in and it was our doctor, Dr. Ambrose. And, you know, I'd already known him from Braden, And so, you know, we had a good rapport. Good, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, he said to me, I don't know, after some small talk, he said, hey, I just got a fax from LA Harbor Medical, UCLA Harbor Medical Center. Um, and, you know, Mason tested positive for cystic fibrosis. And I remember thinking like, I just remember thinking, what is that? I had no mm-hmm. idea. I mean, however, 13 years ago, 14 years ago, I mean, I didn't even know what that word was. Mm-hmm. I mean, had it said anything else, you know, you we all know all the other stuff. And I just remember asking him, you know, holding this little baby. I just asked him, is he going to die? Because, you know, obviously that's all I could think about. Mm-hmm. And I lost it. I mean, I just, mm-hmm. I couldn't even tell you what happened after that. I just, he just, I just remember him saying, where's your phone? And I said, I, I didn't bring it. And so I remember he called Matt. Um, he had left the office and called Matt. and Worst uh,
0: phone call ever. Could be the second worst phone call. We'll talk about that one too.
1: So I just said, um, I mean, one of those things where like you, a thousand things run through your mind in a minute, you know, like Mm -hmm. all bad, nothing good. (laughs) And There's not one good thing that ran through my mind. And um, he said, I'm going to call Matt and I'm going to talk to him because like I couldn't drive. I couldn't, I don't even know how I got there, you know. And um, I just remember him saying, you're going to go to this specialty place. They're going to call you and you're going to go there and, you know, they'll take, you know, you guys will figure it out.
0: I was on Arrow Highway Boulevard coming out of the bank and I got the call and he goes, hey, Matt, it's Dr. Ambrose. And I go, hey, doc, what's up? And he goes, well, your wife can't really talk right now. And and he goes, because you guys just got some news. He said Mason tested positive for cystic fibrosis. And I remember my heart dropped and I'm like, I didn't know what it was, but I knew that I had heard of it. And I knew it wasn't good. And I said, well, what is that? And he goes, it's uh, a chronic lung and pancreas disease. He goes, I don't know too much about it because I've been doing this for 32 years. And this is only the second time I've seen this. I just know you have to go to a specialist. And he said, don't look on the internet. And the first thing I did was look on the internet. And I just remember reading. I pulled over on the side of the road because I couldn't even freaking see because I was crying so much. And I just remember it said a fatal lung disease. And I just freaking started bawling my eyes out. I called my aunt, and my cousin, and I just said, pray, pray for me. And then that freaking sucked.
1: <laughs> and I just remember him saying, it's a, f- the definition, you know, it was a failure to thrive. Yeah. And I'm like, thrive? Like, what is that? Thrive, you know? you think thrives live. And I mean, that's what I thought. Mm -hmm. And, um, so we get sent home with a baby that we has some diagnosis, trying to go back to normal life with a little boy. That's so simple. And I mean, I remember life was turned upside down.
0: I remember looking at him different and I can't remember what it was, but it was almost like, (sighs) God, it was almost like you didn't want to attach yourself to it.
1: Yeah, you have a million emotions.
0: It was almost like you didn't want to attach yourself to your kid because the ending is not going to be good. And I'll never forget, you had left. I don't even know where you were because you didn't really leave the house at all for nine months. Um, I just remember holding him up, kind of like freaking, he held up Simba and the Lion King. I just remember holding him up and begging God to take it away. Like... I remember, like, am I going to coach this baseball team? Am I going to be able to be his coach? Like, what's it going to be like? And they couldn't give me any answers. And I just remember being just broken. And then on top of that, you know, we went from a perfect life to literally the worst. It was the freaking worst. I remember I was about to sign a contract with Discovery Channel for season three. And it was going to be close to four hundred grand in, like, four months, Mm -hmm. which is great money. I said, no, because I knew I had to be home for you because you were depressed. And I went from $400,000 on a job that I loved to working for probably the biggest a-hole boss in the world where I had to drive to Orange County every day. And I was making 40 grand I went from 400,000 in four months to 40 grand a year because I had to be home with my wife. And it was the right decision because you were broken Tell me about that or tell everybody about that.
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, I. it's like some of those moments that I you don't remember because it was so devastating and you try to push it away. But I never went anywhere. I didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want to take him anywhere because like the fear of him getting sick. So I almost guarded our whole life in that house. I mean, we didn't go. So that would have been like Easter. I mean, all the things that we did. I mean, we did everything with our family. It mm-hmm. wouldn't go anywhere. I didn't go anywhere. It sucked. And, um, you know, doctor appointment confirmed what we already knew, which well, what they already had told us, mm-hmm. that he had CF. Um, and then began the myriad of pills and medicine and treatments and all the words you hate <laughs> to hear. I went from... A mom to a nurse, and mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, didn't go to school for that. <laughs> and you had, you know, you had guilt because you had another healthy boy that you wanted to live, let him live, and you had a kid that you were taking care of. It was tough.
0: What was the worst part?
1: I mean, probably those the early diagnosis, but just. Honestly, the thing I think too is the hardest thing this whole time with the kids is like what people don't know, Mm -hmm. you know, all the stuff we do behind closed doors and it's lonely.
0: And we, I mean, we, how do you explain it? Because we had people reach out to us. We had family that didn't know what to do, but they wanted to do something, but it's hard to let people in because they don't know. You don't know what I'm going through. So it's almost kind of like I mean, there was there was a period. Where we're way better now. We'll get to the good stuff. But I mean, at that time, we kind of like owned it. Like it's like this it is ours, nice. not yours. I don't want you to feel bad for me. I don't want your freaking pity. It's almost kind of like you wallow in your own sorrow, right?
1: But it was so, it's such a complicated disease that I just know I just gave up on people understanding it. Like I didn't want anyone to try to understand it because they didn't understand it. Right. So I didn't. I just kind of pushed people out because it was easier for me to do that. Is that
0: the right choice or no?
1: I think there is no right choice when you're going through that. I don't think you can tell someone you have to do this. One of the best things that we I, that I ever did, and it took some coercing, I guess you'd say, is getting involved with people that knew what I was going through, like the CF Foundation, which. Once again, as you can tell, is putting myself out there is not what I do best, but putting myself with people who knew exactly what I was going through and other moms and other parents. And the complicated thing about CF is that CF kids can't play together, can't be together. Now, my kids can because we're in the same family, but all these amazing people that we've met, I can't bring my kid and we can't go hang out. I We can't you know, go away for the weekend with them. Like our kids can't be together. So it's almost like a double-edged sword. All these amazing people that I've met and these connections I've gotten is only through the parents. Like my kids can't be part of each other's lives with other kids that have what's going on. But the best thing I think I did or we did was, you know, we, we got involved. We, we started to pray and hope for a change and hope for, you know, miracles in the foundation. Um, Obviously we prayed for miracles every day in our life, but we also prayed for the right stuff to come into, Mm -hmm. you know, research and science to anything. And we prayed for anything.
0: We have experienced miracles. We've experienced supernatural miracles in our kids, which we'll talk about. And we've also experienced medical miracles. And what I mean by that is, you know, supernatural miracles means the kids didn't do anything. They didn't take anything. God just touched them and they got better. And then medical miracles means they did take a medicine. They did take something that helped them. Their body had a hyper reaction to it and they got better. So that's what I mean by the difference between a supernatural miracle and a medical miracle, which we've seen both. And we'll talk about that. But I was going to say the one thing, well, first of all, for people who don't know what you're going through at that time, what's the best thing they can do? Because it's, you know, People genuinely want to help. They want to say the right thing. They want to do the right thing. What can they do?
1: Oh, gosh. You know, it, that's a tough one. Like, I think, I didn't, my person, I didn't want anyone to do anything, but I did want them to do something. I would have told them not to do anything, but deep inside, you still want them to do something. So I just think that you don't ask what you can do. You just do something. Yep. Like, I'm going to always tell you, no, I don't need anything. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you that if you had dropped something off on the porch, even if I wasn't going to open the front door, <laughs> right. and I would take it and I would be super grateful. I think you just have to be more, less words and more action. Like, don't tell me. Mm, amen. It's a big, it would went really far, especially like what we were going through. Like, I didn't know, no one could really help us.
0: Stop talking and start doing. Which is one of the coolest attributes about you is you are a few, a woman of very few words, but you're a freaking beast of action. Okay. That's what I love about you. Um. So yeah, don't stop texting people. Don't stop doing kind acts. Drop stuff off on their doorstep. Um, be that person. You heard in the episode. If you haven't, go back to listen to Kim Douglas. I think it's episode 103. She talks about her casserole friends. Listen Mm -hmm. to the episode and you know what that means. The one thing that was frustrating for me, I was battling three things. I was battling a depressed wife. Um, I was battling a situation that I hated. But I was also battling Christians, being a Christian. Mm -hmm. Well, God chose you for a reason. And God allowed this to happen for a reason. And God sure knows what he's doing because he's ultimately in control. It's like, so wait a minute. Like God chose my kid to get sick? Like what the hell are you talking about?
1: I like, think on the flip side too we were also saying like why us? For sure. So, I mean, I think everyone's been there before and you think I go to church. I do the right things. I'm a good person. I'm not doing anything bad. I've done this. I'm 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 doing all these things. Why me? Why us? Why not the other person down the street that's not a good person and is doing bad things or you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that was hard. F- I think if you don't ask the questions doesn't make if you ask the questions. I don't think it makes you a bad Christian. I think it's understanding that it's not God. You know what I mean.
0: It's not God that caused it, but yes. it's God that's going to take you through Absolutely. this thing and beat this thing because we always have victory in the end. Uh, let me ask you because you and I came from different backgrounds. You said you were raised Catholic. I was raised, you know, Pentecostal, Holy Roller Christian. I saw so many miracles growing up so it was easy for me to believe that God had better things. For you, it wasn't so much, especially in you know, going through the battle. How and why did you keep believing for a miracle even when you weren't seeing one happen?
1: Because, well, I had no other choice. You know what I mean? If you don't keep believing, then you have no hope. And if you don't have any hope, you don't have any purpose. And I just kept praying that a miracle would happen so... I always had hope to see a miracle. And if I didn't pray and hope for a miracle, then I I couldn't imagine what life was going to look like.
0: What were some of the cool miracles you saw with Mason?
1: So I think the coolest miracle that I saw with Mason was the polyps in his nose. I guess this is something that, I mean, that can happen. They get these polyps in their nose. And it was always like, oh, just wait till this happens. Oh, he's going to have this happen. Oh, wait till he goes to the hot. Like all these almost like you're waiting for something bad which is such a hard way to live um so he they said he had polyps in his nose and went in there I was sitting there with them and they did the camera no did they do, mm-hmm. they did the camera and he had the polyps mm-hmm. um in his nose and they said okay we're gonna do a surge we're gonna do surgery or did they do the I can't remember but They 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 did
0: like the scope of his nose, the picture to to prep for the surgery.
1: And they said no, right? So either you
0: called me, I wasn't there.
1: So they said he had polyps in his nose. So they were going to do the surgery. He did this CAT scan, getting ready for all this stuff. I took him in to get the the you know to see where they were, so they could like look, and there was no polyps in his nose. They said (laughs) they really you know when when that happens, they don't just they don't say like oh it's a miracle. They, you know, they'll push it off onto some medical science thing, but we knew it was a miracle.
0: Total miracle.
1: I mean, he had polyps in his nose and we went and he had none. They don't just disappear. You have to surgically remove them.
0: Yep. And And so we had seen miracles. We had seen miracles along the way, but we had still not gotten, you know, what you would say the ultimate miracle because it all lies with the salt level uh basically my salt level your salt level most people listening if not everybody listening their salt level is between 20 and 40 whatever that means right? right mason's was in the hundreds so if his salt levels are high that means they have cystic fibrosis and that means that it's drying everything out inside of their body your lungs are supposed to be wet theirs are drier their pancreas is supposed to be wet theirs are drier it messes everything up um so we had not seen that yet so we had seen these little miracles but ultimately his salt level was still you know, over the top. And I just, I always remember thinking of the scripture of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, how, you know, God could have done anything he wanted. He didn't put the fire out. He walked in the fire with them and they came out not smelling like smoke. So it was kind of like, I don't need to put the fire out. I'm Lord over it. And that always gave me encouraging to keep going through stuff, especially when believers, even family members would say stuff like, well, Mason will ultimately get his healing when he gets to heaven. I'm like, what, what? Like, when did Jesus ever say that stuff? But we say that to each other all the time. I would just challenge people. If you're going through stuff, get around and you might have to, you know, you can't kick family members out or this and that, but they mean well, they're trying to make you feel better, but you got to guard your mind and you got to guard your heart. You got to guard your kids with believers that are believing for your miracle, for your healing and we didn't accept anything other than that. And a lot of people would say, "Well, that's dangerous," because what if it doesn't happen?
1: But it took time to get us to that point, for sure. Because I remember people we had gone to things, and uh, they, someone had said to me, "Oh, my cousin's best friend died of this." Like in yeah, the that's beginning, your favorite. in the early time, like in the beginning of diagnosis or whatever, those words would crush me. I mean, I would be go home bawling and be done for days at a time but like i feel like you know you learn along the journey like allowing things you what you can allow what what'll hurt you what won't hurt you and and all those things i just feel like we we learned a lot along the way and we grew so much just in how to handle being the <laughs> parents of you know a kid with you know yep a disease i mean and we didn't look at him like that, but you know, you can't control what other people are doing around you. Like we could control what we could control, but you know, it's, it's hard to control the other pieces of the puzzle.
0: One thing I think we did very, very well is we didn't let our kids wear the title. We didn't let Mason wear the title of cystic fibrosis. We even like just in little stuff that we said, we never said he has cystic fibrosis. It was, he's been diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. There's a difference. If you have something that means you have it, it's right. yours. Uh, And I never want that. I never want to own that diagnosis means, well, I've got, you know, you got hope you got a diagnosis. It could change. So I would just challenge people. Don't tell people you have cancer, you have diabetes, you have depression. You've been diagnosed with those things. God's got bigger plans for you. It's the way, what's the story you're going through now, but it's just a chapter. It's not the end of your story. I just think that's so important is cystic fibrosis was never the banner of our life. And that was the one thing that kind of scared me with you getting involved with a lot of the CF moms is a lot of people, man, they, they own that thing and it's all over their Facebook wall and it's, it's who they are. It becomes their identity. And I just think that's a really slippery slope and it's dangerous.
1: I think it got us. We learned really quick where to put our energy though. Like, you know, getting involved in the right things, getting Mm -hmm. involved with the right people because you're always going to have, you know, for every mom that thinks like us with a CF mom you're going to have 10 that think the opposite, you know, Mm -hmm. that are on that slippery slope that are, I think it's just important. We found the right people that believed like us and thought like us because, you know, it's easy to get sucked into the, you know, making it almost making it more depressing to be part of these groups. You know, you think you're getting these things, you know, positive things from them, but you actually end up pulling a lot of negativity. It's almost encompassing your whole life, you know, then you become CF and, It's a lot to handle. And I think the other challenging thing too with Mason and kids with CF is, you know, they look healthy for the most part. He, even at all these times, so everyone just assumed like, oh, nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong with him. And in in your own mind and in what was going on in our home was not, nothing's wrong. There was so much going on and so much stuff and so much sadness and so much, but they looked at him and just thought, oh, he looks fine, oh, he's healthy which was, is a hard thing, you know? Cause you, you don't want him to look sick, but at the same time, at least you would have a reason on why you are the way you are or why you parent the way you parent or why you're sad or all these things.
0: You were sad, you were really, really depressed. I remember Very. he was born in February of 08, March of 08. I would say, I would, you know, argue that from March of 08 till the rest of the year, till after Christmas, yeah, I think you might've went out of the house two times. Does that sound right?
1: That's probably right. Give or take. Give or take one or two.
0: Why? Where were you?
1: And it's just a dark place to be, you know. I think that's the the last thing you ever want to be told.
0: So like like what did you what did you do? Cause I still had to work. I still had to provide for the family. So there were times where I was gone I and you're just by yourself.
1: I think I just, I mean, honestly, I don't, I couldn't even tell you what I did cause it was such a blur cause it was so like no mom wants to have anyone tell them that their kid's sick. So I just, I survived.
0: How did you talk to God when your heart was so broken and you probably didn't even want to talk to God? <sighs>
1: I think it took a little bit of time. Like, I don't think, I think it took time. I think I was angry. Mm-hmm. Like, I think if I wasn't angry, I wouldn't be normal, right? I just, I was angry. I asked all the questions that everyone asks. And um, I just, finally, I think I got to a place where I just, I you know, I couldn't do it on my own. I couldn't fix him. So I only choice I had was to, you know, Pray for give me hope, give me give me something, because right. I can't do this alone. You
0: got through it. I'd say, you know, for me and I felt like for us, after his first birthday, things kind of started getting back to normal. Like we still had to go to the doctor appointment every three months and we had ups and downs, but that deep dark depression in 08 in started to lift a little bit in 09 but because of what we went through in 08 and the economy and everything in 2009 is when you and I monetarily lost everything. We lost our house. Mm -hmm. We lost our cars. Um,
1: we started over,
0: we started over like we, and it was a, it was a really, really bad time. Uh, 08 and 09 were the worst years of our lives. Um, and then, you know, you get to 2010, 2011. you start to rebound. You don't quit. Life comes, you know, you, you get through life. We, we survived, right? We weren't really thriving. We were surviving. And it was right around 2012, 2013, because, you know, you and I had always had the plan to have four kids, three kids, whatever. And I remember you coming to me in like 2012, 2013. You said, I have, I have more love to give. I want a baby girl. And which is, you know, somewhat risky because not too risky because, you know, there's if I'm a carrier and Terry's a carrier of the CF gene, there's a 50% chance we have a baby that's a carrier like her and I. There's a 25% chance we pass on good gene, good gene, and they have nothing like Braden. And then there's a 25% chance you pass on bad gene, bad gene, and they get, you know, the disease, the diagnosis like Mason. So moving forward, you know, we never thought in a million years that we would have, um, you know, another baby with cystic fibrosis, plus the odds were in our favor. So we decided to take a leap of faith and and take a shot and, and have a baby girl and a uh, baby or a
1: baby. We, or a baby. Yeah. We
0: did it, babe. We did. But I remember, I remember when you found out that you were pregnant, which was right around maybe November or December of 2013.
1: Yep. It was before. Yeah, it was before Thanksgiving. I
0: came home, it was beautiful. And the kitchen had candles everywhere and you had little baby girl stuff out. And my cousin Gina, who's your best friend, put a bought you a big thing that said Samantha on it that's still hanging in her room. So it's almost like you knew you were gonna have a girl.
1: Well, I bought Samantha when I found out I was pregnant with Brayden, and I kept it all those years. That's awesome. Because I thought, you know, if I'm, if any child I have. So I just kept it and kept it. So I was able to bring it out.
0: How many times did you look at that throughout the years of Mason and think this is never gonna come true?
1: Well, every time I wanna throw it away. You know, when you go to clean up things and I'm like, I'm gonna throw this away. I'm never gonna, this is never gonna happen. And then I was really adamant For years, like, we're never having another child. This is never going to, I'm never, I'm never going to be at peace with that decision ever. Mm -hmm. And then something changed. And it wasn't like, oops. I mean, like. Yeah. We chose, you know, we planned this and chose this and, and I, you know, got pregnant. It
0: was, it was intentional and it was awesome. And then, you know, she's, uh, so then we, we went through, what's it called?
1: Um, CVS
0: sampling, CVS sampling. It's when they, they take a sample of the fetus, right? The Fluid, the fluid, and it can tell you any diseases. It could tell you the sex of the baby. So we want to know two things. We want to know, are we having a boy or a girl? And we wanted to know if the baby's going to be healthy and make sure that they weren't going to have cystic fibrosis. Those were the two things. And I was taking Braden to school and this was about a few weeks after the test. I'm taking Braden to school. And the doctor calls me and she goes, you know, is this Matthew Rogers? Blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, doctor, it's me. Like I met this lady a couple of times. Like she knew it was me, but she was talking all official. Mm-hmm. She goes, is this Matthew Rogers? I'm like, yeah, doc. Hey, how are you? She goes, um, you know, did you perform tests? Blah, blah, blah. Like she's reading me all these official stuff. I'm like, yeah. Like, hello. Were you not in the room? Like you're the one who did them. She goes, okay. She says, well, I can confirm that you are having a baby girl. And I was like, yes, she goes. And I can also confirm that she is double Delta F five Oh eight, which results in the cystic fibrosis disease. Your daughter's going to have cystic fibrosis. Holy crap. I remember it went and this is the first time I ever felt like this. It went from my feet all the way to my head. And I felt like I was going to pass out and I couldn't breathe. And I remember looking over at Braden, who I was taking to school, and he goes, What's wrong? I said, Nothing. Everything's fine. I don't even remember dropping him off at school. And I just pulled over on the side of the road and I bawled my eyes out because I thought, How am I going to go home and tell Terry right now? Like, our life was really good again. Like, Mason was healthy. He was five years old. Like, we'd never had any serious problems with him. Like, there's no way this is going to happen again. Like, we're going to have a beautiful, healthy baby girl. It was spoken over us. It was prophesied over us. And, and I just remember calling Rex crane, bawling my eyes out. what am I going to do, dude? What am I going to do? He goes, he, he said, he goes, well, first of all, let me back up. The doctor says you're going to have a baby girl. She's going to have cystic fibrosis. First question was, do you want to terminate the pregnancy? And that just, that's from the pit of hell. Uh, and I just said, thank you, doctor. And I hung up the phone and I didn't even address such a stupid question. Mind you, I mad. was
1: like three months. I mean, by that time you're showing, I was a couple months pregnant. Cause I don't think you can do that until. Mm-hmm. I was far enough along at any point, but yes,
0: it was after new year's we found out and you got pregnant in October.
1: Cause I didn't tell anyone in for Christmas or new year's.
0: Cause we were going to do this big surprise for the family and tell everyone yeah. we're having this beautiful, healthy baby girl. And I remember calling Rex crane, which is so important why you surround yourself with believers and people who encourage you and not people that are going to sit in a warm bath of, you know what, to just, you know, patronize, you and oh, poor you and this and that. And like, dude, get out of that environment. And I remember telling him, and he said, what do you mean? What's changed? You're having a beautiful, healthy baby girl that has a destiny. Why are are you looking at it any different? And he challenged me. And he said, like, he was almost like he was celebrating. So on one hand, I'm mad at him. Like, dude, what the hell are you talking about? I just got this diagnosis. And then on the other hand, it's like, dude, that's what I needed. Like, nothing's changed with God just because she has this diagnosis, right? And... Then I remember walking in, our babysitter, Erica was there and you were so happy. You were getting ready. You were going to do something that day. You were going to go do something because life was pretty much back to normal.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And right when I walked in, I looked at you and I just remember you screaming, no. And you ran upstairs. Oh God. I would say that was the worst phone call of my life because the first time, and I remember holding you crying in bed. It was like, you know, you want your husband to hold you and touch you. And at the same time, you didn't want to freaking look at me, but I remember holding you and you were crying and you saying, we messed up. We messed up. We didn't know any better the first time. And I remember you saying, we knew better. We knew better this time. We shouldn't have done it. We knew better. And I just, dude, what do you freaking say to that? When your wife is saying that to you, I should remember crying. What was going through your mind?
1: No, I just—I'll never forget that door when it opened because we were waiting for this phone call. Like, should be today, it should be tomorrow, and then I knew it was coming, and like,
0: in a good way. Yeah,
1: and I—I I just believed like it was going to be the phone call that said all the stuff that we we knew. And then when you came in, he opened the door and he looked at me. I just knew like he'd have to say one word. And I just ran upstairs, and I just remember thinking, you know, like I said, we messed up because, you know, it wasn't what we wanted. I mean, obviously, we're a little girl is so happy and everything, and like I remember, we ended up telling our whole family because we no one knew I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Telling our whole family, he went and told everyone, and um, you couldn't, you like, didn't couldn't. want to. I didn't want to tell anybody. Like I didn't even want to do like the baby, <laughs> like have the baby don't. shower or do all that stuff, like. I was happy for, it took some time. It took some time. Because, I mean, I was disappointed. I was angry. I was mad. I thought, where were you? Where Like, and then I questioned God. Like, where were you? You know? You're supposed to show up this time. <laughs> but that doesn't mean you turned your back on God, you know?
0: It doesn't mean you turned his back on us, but it was... I mean, it's hard. It's like one of those things where you say, "Oh, I have a bunch of questions to ask God when I get there." Um, I just, dude. I just remember it was it was worse. It was worse than finding out the first time. Like, if I guess if, you know, th- this is for me is when the difference between faith in God and trust in God comes in. There's a difference between faith and trust. We had faith which is why we moved forward. And I believe that day, that night that we made Sam, we crushed the backbone of fear in our relationship. I believe something supernatural happened when we made that decision to push through the fear, through the doubt, through the diagnosis and still create life despite that. And that was faith because in 2008, 2009, I had experienced fear grip my soul that I've never experienced before, not through my battling through whatever I went through and, you know, even going through my mom's death or whatever, the the fear that was gripping our family in 08 and 09, I had never experienced before. And I believe we, we broke that. And then to find out, like Job says, the thing that I feared the most mm-hmm. came upon me. And that's when You don't need to have faith in God. We had already gone through that, but you do need to have trust in God. Um, How do you trust God? I'm going to say it this way. How do you trust God when you feel like he broke your heart?
1: It's tough. It's a tough question because I think I question everything. Like I know God is the giver of life. And so I questioned, I mean, I questioned it. I questioned him, but I looked at Mason too. And I knew in my, in my positive moments, cause I mean, I went through so I was pregnant too. So I had a million emotions, but I mean, I looked at Mason and I knew like Mason had never been hospitalized. Mason had never, he was walking out this life. And I just had to trust that Sam was going to walk the same life, you know, she's going to have, you know, no hospitalizations, no lung damage, all those things that he was experiencing i had to
0: it's crazy too how like all the things they said were gonna happen to mason didn't really happen um when he was two years old the doctor said he's gonna have to have a feeding tube and you freaking told the doctor get that literally get the <laughs> hell out of, <laughs> said, get the the hell out of here <laughs> get the hell out of here she goes you know we'll cross that bridge when we get there but don't speak that over my son
1: which is crazy because now I'm like, okay, Mace, don't eat any more french fries. Do you oh, know yeah, what I mean? I do, like, totally. It's just amazing how you, you know, you, you know. just never see what you're going to see.
0: <laughs> it's crazy. It's all the stuff they spoke of didn't really happen. Nothing. And then Sam's born, and I don't know if you remember this or not. We haven't really talked about this, but they said, well, it's going to be worse for her. Right. You remember that?
1: Well, her, were her salt levels higher?
0: Her salt levels were higher. And they said something maybe like about genes or male and females or something like it was going to be worse. And I just remember, like, the second time, we almost—it's like no, we had already been here. Like we're like not going to listen to that. Yeah, yeah. Like we're all pros. Not that—that's something you want to be a pro no, in. I but but we—I don't know. Our faith was different. I don't feel. And tell me if you feel the same way. I don't feel like our depression lasted as long with Sam as it did with Mason.
1: Well, I think we had time before. So obviously, with Mason, we didn't know until he was born. So I feel like my pregnancy—I had time to prepare myself mentally prepare myself for a life that i already knew how to do you know what i mean cuz i've already done it with mason the <laughs> medicines the doctor appointments the phone calls the what ifs the whatnots and all that stuff with mason it wasn't like that i had to start learning and preparing as soon as i was he was diagnosed so i the it lasted longer cuz it was so new and i feel like my pregnancy i i just took time to gather my thoughts and gather how things were gonna be.
0: Fifty percent of marriages today end in divorce. Seventy-nine percent of marriages where a child dies or has a diagnosis or is six are sick. Seventy-nine percent of marriages end in divorce. You and I are the twenty-one percent.
1: Well, probably it's probably less good. too when you have two children.
0: Exactly. I don't even know what that stat is, but it's got to be pretty bad.
1: I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it definitely strains a lot of people's, you know, pushes you into strains, but I feel like you and I, we didn't go apart. Like men handle things one way and women handle things. I've talked to this with moms before, like moms handle things one way. And as a woman and dad is, you know, a husband, dad, whatever, a one way they, we are so different in handling things, but I feel like, We didn't handle things. We handled things our own way, but we always came together and made like a good team together. Like I didn't fight it alone and you didn't fight it alone. And we fought together and we still fight together.
0: Before you tell me what I did right, tell me, what did I do wrong? What should I have done different?
1: I think you didn't, I mean, I think you couldn't do anything different because like I just said, you're a man and you handle things differently. I think you always wanted to try to fix it. And it was going to be fixed and we would move on to the next thing. And sometimes I just needed to feel and cry and do whatever. But there was times, like you say, about things you did right, like I needed you sometimes to pick me up off the floor and say, I'm not going to let you cry anymore.
0: Like literally. (laughs) Like
1: literally off the floor. So I think I needed you to let me feel, but I think I also needed you to tell me, all right, you're done. Like, I'm not going to let you do this anymore. Because, I mean, I, there was times where, like, I mean, remember, like, you'd be like, babe, you got to get up. And La- sometimes I tell you to kick F sand. But, <laughs> <off>. <laughs> but, you know, I think. It,
0: it's not technically a Christian podcast, but you can say. You said I mean, <laughs> there was times where I, you know,
1: I didn't want you to tell me what to do. But then there was times that I was thankful you told me what to do because I probably would have just stayed in the same state of mind I was in.
0: Last uh, last episode, we talked about your low point when you were battling addiction. What would you say was your low point with this?
1: That day in the doctor's office.
0: With Mason or finding out at home with Sam?
1: Ooh. So different, you know what I mean? They're both my low points. There's a few times in my life where I can pinpoint and tell you exactly where I was and what I was doing, and I think they equally were low. I mean- it's the same thing twice, you know? No one ever wants to be told anything about their child, nonetheless, twice. And I feel like Mason was shocking, you know what I mean? Because I didn't think anything was wrong. And then Sam was disappointing. So they're the same, but, you know, I felt differently about both of them.
0: With the exception of me, your husband, who was the Who was the greatest, who helped you, who encouraged you, who helped you come out?
1: Well, we had, you know, your cousin, Gina, sis. I mean, my parents were there for support, but I didn't remember I didn't go out very much, so I didn't see anyone I didn't want anyone to be part of. But your cousin lived right behind me, so she pulled me out a lot. And um, I mean... She was there for me all the time. And then, you know, my family was, they did what they could do given, I think after I got out of my hole with depression and everything, I think that's when I allowed them to be more than I had. And I think they tried in the beginning, like we talked about, but you know, mm-hmm. she was behind me and wouldn't leave me alone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when we made the decision to leave California and move out here to Tennessee, Sam's, uh, Sam's one years old. Mm-hmm. Would you say because I feel like we were we were pretty much the healthiest we had ever been, as healthy as we could have ever been in that situation, right?
1: Yeah.
0: How refresh? First of all, why did we move here? Why did we leave California? And come to Tennessee.
1: Well, when you were doing your TV show, we just wanted a different life for our kids, a new place to live and a new start, and
0: just why? loved was it, it here. Bad no. in California. Where well, we were? it wasn't like
1: it was now, but it was getting bad. It wasn't where you and I grew up. We both grew up in Southern California, and right. It just was different. And we had talked and dreamed about moving and just doing it. Everyone had been taught, everyone was talking, started talking about, oh, I wanna move, I wanna leave, I wanna move. I would love to leave. And it was like, we saw what it was like out here and we thought, let's just do it. And then the timing finally was right, as right as it could be. I don't think there's ever the right, perfect time for anything. No,
0: timing was wrong. Well, right. I mean, like dude, my the mo- job was there. No, our family was there. Your mom had just passed away. Right. Like
1: the timing was as good as it was going to be. Though, Yeah.
0: Timing's never good. Right.
1: But I mean, as good as it was going to be, as far as like our kids ages and right. your ability to be mobile with your, with your job. I mean, so it was no, it's never gonna be the right time, but we knew that it was going to be never, we would never be able to do it again if we hadn't done it then.
0: Right. How refreshing was it for you? to come out here, basically start a new life. First time we had owned a house since 2009. Crazy. We lost everything in 2009 and we rented for seven years.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until 2016. Yeah, we've been here
0: five years. Yeah. yeah. So we, I mean, we were renters. Like we didn't own anything yep. and how refreshing was it for you to come out here, um, have a new house, Meet new friends, have a whole new like a clean start. Not that the other one was bad, but like no. I always feel like we were coming here was running to something, not running from something.
1: Right. Yeah, we weren't
0: how bad California is now. Right? Looks like Fast we were, forward. We were think, running from something. I think
1: we were had a good life and things were good. So we weren't like I think when you're running for something, you're expecting a lot more and where you're at. I think we were open to opportunities and possibilities here because we weren't escaping anything. I think we had a really good like outlook and good positivity. Now it was hard cause I had just lost my mom. So I was going back and forth a lot and you know, transitions challenging and you were gone a lot doing work. So it was, it was challenging in the fact that we had to get comfortable and get accustomed to being here, mm-hmm. but it was exciting and it was probably the best move we've ever made. Right?
0: Totally. And you've like, do you love it here now? Like the relationships you've built, your friends. I love it here. Community here. Yeah. You're happy?
1: I'm happy. There's always room for improvement, but that's just life.
0: What? Here's what I've noticed about you. We we talk about it once in a while, but in California and you know, just a different part of our lives, I feel like you had more days of depression in California and days of being sad and you've had much less here. Why?
1: Um, I think I mean, I think a lot of, as a mom, I think a lot of your life revolves around your kids, like how you feel. I mean, it's, you know, sad, but true, but it is what it is. So I feel like our kids have been good. Like our kids have been so healthy, our kids. So that helps me. It helps my, my being, um, just freeing, I I guess, being here. And like you said, like buying a house and making it our own house. And I don't know, it's just a different feel. It's hard to put your finger on it, but. I mean, I feel like we're, today we are better off than we've ever been. I mean, even with all the stuff that's gone on, you know, losing our moms and our kids and all of our stuff that we've gone through, like today is, we're good. Like we're, we're strong.
0: How do you think our relationship made it? Cause I brought up those stats of, you know, divorce being at, you know, pretty much a certainty. If you have kids that have you know, a death or a challenge diagnosis, why, why have we not only made it, but I mean, dude, I feel like our marriage is stronger today than ever before. And that's not just a thing that I say, like I'm more attracted to you today than ever was Mm -hmm. before. I want to hang out with you. Like my favorite thing to do with you is just get in a car, put on a simple song and drive and just like hold your hand and be with you. I mean, I talk or not talk. I just, I like, I like being around you.
1: I mean I think we uh, we talk, we communicate, which is huge, and I think we spend time, like we genuinely spend time and together. You know what I mean, not the kids, not anything like I think you and I make sure that we make a point to be about you and
0: I. Yeah, the kids really bug the crap out of me. Can you do <laughs> something about that? I love our kids. I'm totally joking.
1: Sometimes so.
0: uh, Sam drives me crazy. That's the you baby love girl. her hard though. I love her harder than anything in this world. But holy crap, does she bug the crap out of me? She Damn. drives me crazy. Um, but she's you. So, how do you <laughs> well, th- thank Eli. you?
1: <laughs> she she's Eli? What she's, does that mean? she's him.
0: <laughs> um, how have we done it? I'm I'm asking for the viewers, because we, we shouldn't have made it. But like, I mean, if yeah. you look at it on paper, a girl that battled addiction, a guy that was an arrogant religious and, Ouch. and I, I mean, I was, let's call a spade a spade here getting together, uh, doubting the night before we get married. I don't think this is going to work a terrible, not terrible. Sorry. Let me go back up a challenging. very challenging first year. Uh, not a great dynamic with, you know, my family and you starting out, and two kids with fatal diagnosis. Yeah,
1: you know, we're not supposed to make it.
0: We're not supposed to make how? What is it?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I think our beliefs also have a huge role. What we believe in. I think we won't give up. And you, know, you have to understand, like you said about social media, like we've made it, but we've made it cause we've fought to make it. You know, it's, it's come easy. We've had, we haven't like fought to like each other, but right. it doesn't mean that we haven't had our challenges and we've had our struggles and we've had our arguments and you know what I mean? There's never been a, any crazy problems, but it's, you know, it's, it's takes work. It takes work to be where we're at. We didn't just, you know, wasn't easy wasn't hard, but we just always worked at it. We never were both mad at the same time and let it be like that.
0: What's the number one thing a husband can do to win his wife over every day?
1: Time. What do you mean? Give her time. I think everyone gets so busy doing their own thing and working and and some women just want a little bit of their time. Even if it's like 15 minutes here or 20 minutes there or take her to dinner. Or, and if, you know, everyone's like, well, maybe I can, we can't go out all the time, then go make a picnic or go do that. You know, we've been in the times where we've had nothing. We borrowed hundred dollars for groceries. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and it
0: wasn't very long ago. Right.
1: Like, it's not like, Oh, it, it must was, be nice. It was
0: during our marriage. Not very long right. ago. So,
1: you know, you don't have to go to a nice dinner. You could do something just, I think, Time, because time allows you to talk and spend time and be away from the children. I think you get a different person when you get away. I would just say time.
0: What's the one thing that you really don't like about me that you wish I would change?
1: Oh, gosh. This is getting deep, Eli. (laughs) You already know the answer to that. Why don't you tell me what you think it is? My phone. Oh, my gosh, Eli. He does listen. Your phone. He, Is it that bad? It's really that bad. You ask me that like you're shocked that I'm answering that question that way. Because
0: in my mind, I feel like I'm getting better. Am no, I not? No. Uh, do yeah. I have better moments?
1: Moments, but not stretches of time. Days? No, that's that's pushing oh, it.
0: bullcrap. Really? I don't have a good day?
1: Okay, good hours. <laughs> yeah. He's trying. Okay, so tell me again on
0: air <laughs> once and for all. Yeah. Tell me what to do. What do you want me to do? Put it away. When?
1: When you come in the door, you turn it off and you're done. You're not available after a certain time. I feel like when you're available to everyone else, you're not available to this house. Get into it. We have the same conversation in my house. Yeah. yeah. And it, it I love him. I love you. I'm just being real. Like he's available for messages and phone conversations and emails and text until he go, lays in the bed at night. You got to cut it off.
0: Sorry, I'll stop calling it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and he spends a lot of time and he's very available in this house. I'm not saying that he's not. Right. But you you need to put it away because I always tell him I think it would be amazing how much he could get accomplished if he learned to just put that aside.
0: All right. I will.
1: And I know he enjoys his stuff. Like it's nothing. You can still do your thing.
0: Okay. Well then, what's the number 1 Thing to get you to want me.
1: Oh my word! Why does it always come back here?
0: Because <laughs> he's a dude.
1: Put your phone away. <laughs> put the phone away. <laughs> put your phone away.
0: <laughs> um, okay, back to just put a cherry on the story with our kids before we sign off on on this episode. Um, we said going back to Mason and Sam, we said the, the underlying cause for cystic fibrosis is the high salt level. You and I, everybody listening is between 20 and 40 for their salt levels. Mason and Sam are in the hundreds. Tell everybody about our last doctor visit and what happened. We've been hoping, praying for a miracle for 13 years and we really haven't seen anything move. We've had great doctor's appointments and our kids have been healthy for the most part, but They still have had this diagnosis. Right. What happened two months ago?
1: So we've been, like I said earlier, we've been part of the foundation, the cystic fibrosis foundation involved doing things. And for years it's been just wait, we're, we're getting there. And they're an amazing, amazing organization that funds, we're called an orphan disease. They fund this disease. We don't get any government funding. So they take this money, fund it and find medications. So we've been, we've been hearing for years just wait. Just keep your kids healthy. Just keep Mason healthy. Keep them healthy. There's going to be a medication soon. So a year ago, April 1st, in a few days, um, of 2020, the crazy year, we had a great year. Mason started Trikafta, which is this medication that was, is intended to decrease their salt levels. Well, once you decrease the salt levels, things start. your body starts working the way it's supposed to. So we had an, uh, uh every three months we go for his appointment, the the kids appointments. Um, and three months ago, cause we have our next one. So about two and a half months ago. Um, so he's been on it for what, 10 months. We go in and we had a really long day. He had to do a couple tests. And one of them was the salt level test. And you don't do that very often. You just do it like when you get diagnosed or whatever. Um, and they wanted to do the salt test to see where we're at. So. You finished when the doctor came no, in the you room. do it. So the doctor came in the room and Matt said, do you have the salt test? Which is our doctors at Alabama are amazing, awesome, Dr. Hoover. And he said, no, I don't have the test back. And Matt's like, dang, you know, darn, you know, wish we could. He's all because his salt levels are normal. Dude, and dude, dude. That's he crazy. like, oh, he does not loss for words very often. And he put his head down and he's just he lost it. Yeah. And bawled his eyes out. And um, like, that's what we've prayed for. I <laughs> can't
0: yeah, I mean like, dude, I'm 42 years old. Uh, over a third of my life, I've been praying for something that had never happened. And that was impossible to happen. And it happened. So like it happened.
1: Yeah. It happened
0: to me. It happened to her. It happened to my kid. Like, dude, it happened. Like, God showed up. Like, dude, people don't understand the nights that I asked him, Where are you? Why is this happening? Why did you let this happen? Why did I mean, dude, 13 years, like, so many years of my life.
1: It's a long time to.
0: So many ask nights with her me. crying, like, dude, wanting to quit. Like, I never wanted to take my life, but I wanted to die. Like,
1: it sucked. And, you know, I think at any point we could have given up hope. But I I think I said it to Matt Eisman one day. I just said, like, hope's all we've had. You know what I mean? Like, you ask. I've I've only had hope for this many years. That's the only thing we've had. And like you said, they kept saying, you know, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And Mm -hmm. you believe it because you have no other option. I mean, I have no other choice. Like, I'm believing in this because I it's my hope and hope you know hope got me up nine months in hope got me up after Sam was you know they told me Sam had CF like hope was the only thing and that pill that he took a year ago was hope and two months ago we realized I mean it was I couldn't believe the most amazing day
0: I couldn't believe it but I could believe it it just says you know hope deferred makes the heart grow weak. When you don't have hope, you're dead. Yep, You're a dead person walking. If you don't have hope and hope is only found in Christ. That's where hope lies. He's the giver of hope. And when he like, dude, he showed up, like Big. he was there the whole time. And he, it's like, dude, it was, it, it was, it was everything. And it was like, dude, I just want people to know, like, it's safe to hope it's safe to dream it's safe to expect a miracle it's get the negative voices out even if they call themselves christian or family members and people are trying to keep you in a situation that keeps you sick that keeps you with the diagnosis it's bullcrap like god is bigger than that god's bigger than your situation god's bigger than your diagnosis god's bigger than death like And even if you hope all the way through, like your life is not your own anyway. And he's, I mean, dude, he shows up when you need him the most and it's safe to dream.
1: 13 years.
0: 13 years. And
1: And then, you know, telling everyone too, they're like, it's like he does like medically, I mean, we still, he still has to do stuff. He'll probably do enzymes forever, but they're slowly starting to take things away from his regimen. And people are like, who know People that know CF and know what we're talking about, they're like, medically, it's like he doesn't have CF. Which is crazy ever to ever hear anyone say.
0: I remember I was already bawling, and then when I looked at Mason's phone, he (laughs) texted his brother, Braden, and he said, well, first of all, when the doctor said, I think by the end of the year, you're not going to have to do breathing treatments anymore. And Mason goes,
1: let's go. <laughs> and I can start
0: bawling. He's just cheering. He's so because happy. We've been, dude, we've been telling him. He's so happy. We've been telling him his whole life. There's going to be a day. You don't have to do this anymore. And we had no proof. We had no evidence. We just had belief. We had faith. We trusted God. We moved in faith. And then we, we just stood on our trust. And to finally hear, you're not going to have to do it anymore. He screams, let's go. And then he texts his brother, Braden, and he says, imagine not having cystic fibrosis anymore. Hashtag me. It's
1: so Uh-oh. awesome. <laughs> Come on. Dude. I mean, thousands of hours. I mean, he's he does treat two times a day, 30 minute. I mean, he's done thousands of hours on that. That's when he's healthy. Yeah, when he's healthy. Otherwise, so the kid is put in the work. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, he's put in the work, so... It was amazing. And even the doctor was funny because he walked out to get, you know, after he's done and he gets the nurse and the nurse comes in and gives us our stuff or whatever. And, you know, we we love these people. these This is our team of people. And she came and she goes, so I heard that uh, Matt's speechless and that doesn't happen very often because <laughs> <laughs> obviously they know him, right? So dude. it was just an amazing. But it's our miracle. It's just cool. Another one of our miracles.
0: Another one. And it's just, dude, the, the promises, the prophecies that were spoken over us that didn't come true ended up coming true, right? It's like, dude, when you, when you, like, that's why they say, dude, faith is not going by what you see. It's what you believe. And that's what faith is. It's not. And like, dude, your relationship with God is not dictated on answered or unanswered prayers. Like you make a decision and a commitment And you go with it and come hell or high water, you're faithful and I'm standing on you. So hell
1: and high water have come to both of us. Well, and now we're waiting for Sam's that pill should be approved for Sam in the next few months. And we expect the same miracle for her. So awesome,
0: Terry. Yes, sir. I freaking love you. I love you too. I want to get married all over again. And no, we're not renewing our vows. Sorry, babies (laughs) every day. Um, I don't even know what I want to do. God, I feel like we should do this more with her. Right?
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Let's not talk
1: about me. Let's talk about someone else. Did this
0: sway you at all to maybe want to do something in media with your husband or no? No, not really.
1: Really? (laughs) (laughs) still out. Is this still your game? It's still a no. (laughs) At least it's it's a a no. At least it's not a hard no.
0: Okay. Well, we always try to, like we did last episode, this episode, leave our viewers with one nugget, Mm -hmm. one quote one note of inspiration that you would say to them after everything you've been through, what would you say?
1: Hmm. I mean, I guess I'd say never give up and always have hope. I mean, in any situation, because that's hold true through all the stuff we've gone through. Hope gets you up off the floor, keeps you going. Never give up.
0: I freaking love you. I love you too. Let's be best friends forever.
1: Okay. (laughs)
0: let's get tattoos of each other's name across our backs
1: no tattoos here
0: there's no tattoos here either
1: something's gonna change love you too
0: and i love you guys for listening this is our first two-part episode with the one and only first lady terry (laughs) rogers Uh, i hope you enjoyed it i know i did and if you did please like please subscribe, and please share. This could really, really help somebody, especially this episode. Send it to someone who's hurting. Send it to someone who needs hope. Send it to a mom that's struggling in a relationship or struggling in addiction or struggling with a diagnosis. Send this to them. Encourage them, because as you could see, the ending always ends better than the beginning, and I hope you agree by liking, sharing, and subscribing. My name is Matt Rogers, and this has been another edition of level up.